And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Trying to build a plan. Yeah, what is the plan? What are we doing? I don't know, man. There's so much that goes into a plan. I'm not even sure where to start. The plan is there is no plan. I think the plan is we're going to build software, right? People always hate it when I say that to me. They're like, what's the plan, Matt? I'm like, plan is there is no plan. (laughs) Well, I think our first plan is to call full scale. Yes. Fullscale.io. Let's find some people that know how to build software. So with that, it probably seems appropriate to mention that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io because hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. You never make it. Go to that Get Started page. All you have to do is answer a few questions and our platform will help match you up. I believe that you were recently doing that yourself, Matt, for a project you're involved I, with. So. Yeah. Yep. Scaling up, baby. We need some help. Trying yep. to get the full so, scale. Scale this thing so up. Here we are. This is part two of eight of our foray into the SDLC, Software Development Lifecycle. And it's time to create a plan. Now, as we mentioned in our overview, which was the last episode, this is the first part of seven pieces that many people refer to when it comes to the software development life cycle. So that's planning, defining requirements, design and prototyping, software development, testing, deployment, and then operations and maintenance. We will have an episode on each of those, but it's time to talk about planning. And, you know, as we mentioned in the overview, so many times you can have a real plan. Sometimes you don't. And sometimes you throw the plan out the window and make a new one. Well, and I think for a lot of software projects, success or failure comes back to the planning, you know, and, you know, I manage a software development team. I manage the product team. It's our hardest, hardest problem, hardest challenge. And our number one job every day is to plan what are we going to do and why are we going to do it? And then herding cats with everybody else around the organization to actually get them to agree on what's important which is really hard to do because I have to get everybody to agree. And then I got to go get my team to actually build it. But getting people to agree on what to do and create a plan is the hardest part. Sometimes it might be that yeah, I'm sitting here chuckling because that might be the hardest of all of it. And, you know, obviously a plan doesn't mean shit if you don't execute. So that's a whole other. Everybody has different priorities, right? Especially in the corporate world and in a larger company, you go around, everybody's got different ideas about what's important and we need to do this thing. We need to do that thing. And then the development team themselves has their own stupid little pet projects that they want to do. They're like, well, we want to upgrade from version one of Angular to version two. Or, and then the other developers like, we don't like Angular anymore. We want to switch to Vue and like just all this other shit. Everybody has their own idea of what they think is important. 
And the biggest problem in a lot of companies is nobody has the guts to tell everybody else no about all that bullshit and actually do something important. That's where everything not, dies in the I, corporate world. I hope you're not still on Angular version one because I think they're up to like eight. We won't talk about that. Yeah, it goes on and on. But you know what Matt's <laughs> talking about is, the, you know, we're talking about front end uh, coding framework and you know, that's where he's right. You know, you get into these things. It's like it's one people want to build it in this. They want to build it in that. And you know how many, now there's a, a joke, you know, how many software developers does it take to build a product? One. It takes eight. It takes one to actually build it and seven to say, man, I sure could have done that better. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's just so variable when it comes to this stuff. And everyone's, you know, one of the things, if you're planning on building something and I run into this a lot with the early stage startups and, you know, they reach out to full scale and they've got, they've got some weird, like the 47th most popular type of programming language out there and they're looking for help and they're just baffled that they can't find it. And I end up talking to these folks and I'm like, well, how did you decide on using that? Well, my friend's cousin's brother's sister's relative told me I should. Yeah. And part of planning also depends on like, you know, there are, there are software frameworks and platforms and, and coding languages that are on the up. And there are ones that are, that are kind of in singing their swan song. So I think part of when you talk about planning, you're going to talk about resources, costs, and time and stuff like that. But part of the resources thing is like a subcategory of that is like, what are you going to pour your resources into? What are you going to build stuff with? You know, like, I mean, Matt, would you buy a tower records right now? Like a record store isn't a very good investment. That's on the downswing. How about blockbuster? There's one of those left. And it's like a museum, but certain things are on, are are on the come up and some of them are on the way down. So I think before you get started, if you haven't built anything yet, then I think that's a good place to start is like, get on, get on the trend of something that is moving upward and seems to be popular. Cause when it comes to finding resources, meaning human resources and people, um, you want to be able to find them because you can have a great plan. But if if, you, if there aren't any, if there are no carpenters available to swing hammers and pound nails, then your plan is already dead. Well, and so at full scale, we see this a lot, right? We 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 talk to these companies. They're like, yeah, uh, we had the CTO who worked with us, and we were his little side project. So he decided it would be fun to use this really eccentric <laughs> database that literally nobody's ever heard of, yeah. and we're like can you help us convert away from that thing? We hear that a lot, right? Like, because, or, or we're, I'm looking for a senior X, Y, Z developer and it's something that's been out yeah. for like a year. And, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. The key is there, there's like six programming languages now that are, they're the most common. Just pick one of the six. It almost doesn't even yep. matter which one of the six and yep. you can build shit and you can hire people to do it. If you pick yep. something outside of that six, God bless you. Good luck finding talent that can help. And it's yep. the same thing. Like, yeah, just use Amazon Web Services, use Azure, you know, use Angular, Vue, React, like use these common frameworks. If you're trying to use this other weird stuff, it makes it so much harder to find people, train people. It's harder to solve problems when you have problems with them, right? You're like, I'm trying to do this weird thing in Angular. It's You can probably find somebody on Stack Overflow who's had that problem and you can find a solution to it. Versus if you pick this weird shit, nobody knows. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when it comes to planning, the first thing is, is make sure your plan is something that, I mean, can become a reality. Yeah. It's yeah. You know, like, as Matt mentioned now, in a lot of cases, the SDLC is going to apply to 
um, platforms that are already in motion. And then sometimes what we'll refer to as legacy platforms, which are really old. And, you know, you, you see a lot of people trying to convert away from them because they, they built something in a dying technology, something that isn't actively supported. And, it, and really the struggle is real because there's already a, a shortage of software developers uh, in North America, which is part of the problem. You know, that's part of what full scale helps people solve is how to snap the, the pieces and the components on yeah. your existing team to scale it up. And, you know, we, we built the company, we kind of started it accidentally because we have these needs ourselves and we're like, God, it is hard to find people that can get shit done. Maybe we should create a solution that makes it easier for that. So if you're not, if part of your plan, if you're, if you're creating it and you don't have a high level of technical skill or knowledge, you know, whether it's full scale or someone else, you know, find a good service partner and someone that can give you good advice and that has, you know, readily available resources or access to. And, and with that, you know, that's, that's where we mentioned like the first, the first pieces of the planning, you know, the resources, the costs and the time. Because, you know, back to the, the kind of the, the punctuation mark on the end of this whole thing is, is if you have a very small pool of people to choose from, they might be in really high demand because other people made that yeah. same error. So you might end up paying 40% more. You pick something that's commonplace. Well, like PHP is a good example. There's a lot of PHP developers out there and they trend a little lower in acquisition costs and hiring than, than certain other things that might be highly specialized. And then, you know, part of what's also a challenge too, is you have a lot of emerging technology, like people, I need a blockchain developer. Well, yeah. there's just not a whole lot of them out there. And, you know, that's changing over time, but you got to kind of, you know, and part of where you don't want to run up your time number is spending all your time looking for people that can come actually put end time on it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in summary, the key is you got to have the resources. You got to have the, the talent you need to achieve yeah. whatever it is you're trying to achieve. But yep. the, the hardest okay. thing for me when it comes to planning at an executive level is just getting everybody to agree on what is the most important thing to do. And, you know, I, I have this problem with my, my current job. It's like, you know, I, I understand the product. I understand the roadmap. I understand what we need to do. But I still butt heads with other executives around the company that don't agree with me or they think something else is more important. And some of it is because they've never built software before and they don't understand what's important or they have a different vision for where the company is going or whatever it is, right? Or they have their own little pet projects. And that's the hardest part is from a highly strategic plan, like starting at a high level, is getting all the executives and managers to even agree on something. Do you know that it, it, according to our notes here that 75% of business or IT executives feel that their projects are usually doomed right from the <laughs> very beginning? Yep. WTF, dude. No, and like, it, it makes sense. I mean, it makes it, a lot of sense. That's crazy. That's, so the, that's just crazy. That when you think at a, a planning perspective from a very high level as like an executive, like as an IT executive, the first thing you got to do is have company goals. You got to know whatever, what, what are the goals and everybody's got to agree on the goals, right? And then once you have those goals, you can create initiatives that, that support those goals, right? It's like, we want to do X, Y, and Z. Well, how are we going to get there? Well, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And it's no different than having like OKRs. What, what, do you remember what the hell OKR even stands for? Assess objectives and key results. There you go. So a lot of companies will have OKRs that are, you know, across the company and, you know, every department has their things to support the OKRs, all that kind of stuff. 
and product, you know, and engineering is, is no different, right? We have our role to play of like whatever the company's goals are, um, how are we going to achieve it? But the biggest challenge is getting everybody else to say no to everything else. That That's always the problem when it comes to planning, get everybody to agree on what is actually the most important, what is going to provide the most value to the customer. And that's the thing I always have to fight with against the engineering team, right? Like the engineering team thinks we need to like convert this thing and we have technical debt and this DevOps project and all this shit. And I always ask them like, okay, but how does that help us make more money? How does that help us improve the value of our customers? How are our customers going to benefit from all this? Because this isn't like a government job. We aren't just like wasting time, like digging holes in different places for, for whatever purpose. Like we need to deliver value to the customers, right? And that's the hardest part about planning is getting everybody to agree on like, how do we actually do something that matters and provides value to the customer. I think you have a really good point with talking about the, so you know, you use the, the word initiative and the definition of initiative is the ability to assess and initiate things independently or the power or opportunity to act or take charge before others do. So when you, you can say to someone, Hey, take some initiative here. And yeah, you know, eventually someone has to, and that, that's where, you know, you talk about the, this is part of planning is sometimes you just have to define the roles on the team. And if you don't, you're going to end up with a lot. Well, some people will take initiative. Some people won't, um, you know, and it can be a real challenge. And, and, uh, you know, Matt, back to your point about the development team, seeing things as ha having a different sense of priority, really in the end, what you're building at your business is a business. And if what you're building doesn't keep more users or bring more users in, it could be misguided and what you're trying to build and like where it's priority as. Now you mentioned the term technical debt, and I think we should talk about that because part of the planning process should involve trying to minimize that. So technical yeah. debt is, is, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll look up a definition of that, but the lame, the true definition, but the layman's term is basically all of the shit that you do incorrectly or didn't know that you needed to do a certain way that you end up needing to redo. Yeah. Or stuff that just ages out. It's like, you know, we built this in this old version of Java and now it has all these security issues yeah. because it's old. And now we have to upgrade to this new version of Java. But because of that, we got to do all this crap that we have to do with like all this work, you know, and it's inevitable. There's always a certain amount of technical debt that you have to do. And what I always, what I always say is like, you always have to balance the things you need to do you have to do and you want to do. You've got to have a mixture of those. But if you always focus on the things that you like want to do, then you never pay off like that technical debt or you never fix the certain bugs or whatever it is. So it's like you always have to have a balance of these things and, and it requires a healthy balance. And you can certainly with technical debt, you can really, you can in fact run into a point where you accumulate enough of it that you're essentially trying to fix one thing and you break three others is yeah. probably the basic way to put it. Or you run into certain things that are unfixable, or it's like the idea that just to get to your backyard, you have to climb over a, a small, a, 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 an ever increasingly steeper and larger hill, you know, and just yep. kind of keep getting higher. And you're like, shit, I'm just trying to get out to my backyard. It should only be 10 steps away, but you have to go through 40 steps just to make 10 steps. 
and that starts to chip away at your at your ability to turn things out to fix things quickly or to just kind of produce something that isn't really frustrating to work on so okay so that that's some of you know we'll get back into some of that now you know obviously matt when it comes to planning and it comes to budgeting and things like that and i i mentioned uh, in the overview that I felt like budgeting should almost be its own step. It is technically a subset of planning. Um, we were pretty open about the fact that timelines are, are hilariously impossible to predict. Yeah. And so how do you actually create a real plan without like, okay, so we're, if you're doing something from scratch, like, I mean, it is realist. It's, it is, fairly realistic to say that no one knows how long it's going to take you to build it. So how do you create a plan around something like that? Yeah. So there's a few different methodologies that software developers use. Um, one, one of the most simplest is like you look at things, and you kind of assign it like a t-shirt size. Okay. It's like, there's a small, medium, large, extra large, you know, five extra large, you know, kind of project or talk about like bread sizing. Is it a slice of bread, a loaf of bread, a bread box, a bread truck, a bread factory, Pick, pick whatever you want, right? But it, it's trying to get some kind of reasonable size of the level of complexity of this thing, right? Like, it's like, okay, am I building a house or am I building like a hundred foot skyscraper here? Like, what, wh- or somewhere in the middle. And just trying to produce some kind of rough estimate. And the hardest part is always trying to understand the velocity at which the team can accomplish things and then, you know, how, how much capacity do we have? You know, like how, how much work can we do it, like an assembly line? Because at the end of the day, software development is kind of like an assembly line. It's just really hard to measure, though, because no matter what you do, there's always like a massive amount of unplanned work. Like I was recording a podcast earlier today and we use some call tracking system at work. And for whatever reason, they changed some shit and screwed a bunch of shit up. So now our team is spending time on that today. Like that wasn't part of the plan. That wasn't part of the capacity. It wasn't part of the velocity. But that's what we're doing today is screwing around with fixing that shit. And so that's the nature of part of what we do. Like there's so much unplanned work that also sidetracks everything. I think people is the hardest part about planning a timeline because some people do things quickly and some people don't. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing that's like, it's not just a linear path, you know, like, I mean, it's almost like that. I hated those math problems where they're like train A is going this speed and train B is going this speed. You know, it's like, but that's really what, how people are. And, you know, people are exactly that they're people, they have other issues and things can occur. They could be sick. They they're gone. You know, like, I mean, you never know they quit. I mean, a lot of different things could happen. You know, speaking of quitting Matt, if you need to find developers to work on your project, finding expert ones, uh, can be difficult. And if you visit fullscale.io, you easily build your team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Now you talk about like who can do things on a team. Like we've actually created four dozen different of our own certifications because we started looking at our developers and people we wanted to hire. And you remember like, how do you assess like when you're trying to build a team and plan for it? How do you know if people are any good at it? And we found that uh, people weren't very good at figuring that out. So we built our own system of certification and kind of live and die by that at this point at, at full scale, meaning like we've had thousands and thousands of people apply and take these assessments and we have a pretty good idea about who's going to be good at what but that's a, that can also be a thing 
if you're trying to build a new team or a product, I think it's fair to say that if you're not, if you're kind of going at it alone and you don't have experience finding people, some of them are going to wash out along the way, which is also going to affect your timeline because you got to find new people to get in the seats. Well, when you're, when you're planning, having somebody on the team that is very experienced with architecting software products or working in a product team who has done this for a very long period of time is super, super valuable because you need somebody that can like see around corners that knows where you've got to cross the T's and dot the I's knows where you need to gold plate things and where you don't gold plate things. Right. Like that's always the problem with software when you're trying to, to do the planning is you got to be able to see ahead. You got to have some vision and understand where all the landmines are going to be of why this problem is going to fail or why this prop, this project is going to like get way slowed down. Like seeing ahead of like, well, we have to figure out how to deploy this thing on AWS and we have to build all this DevOps pipeline and that's going to take like two months. But if I don't think about any of that shit and then we get to the day of deployment, we're like, hey, we need to deploy this thing. Oh, wait, we forgot to build that thing. That's going to take two months, right? Like being able to see around the corners and see ahead is really important when it comes to software because there's all sorts of landmines along the way. Well, that's where you talk about the roles on the team and what you just, the, you actually just described two different roles because there's a difference between like a software development manager and mm-hmm. a product owner or manager. Yep. And, you know, people that are product managers and, you know, a product manager is, I mean, I, the, the, uh, the product manager has been around for a long time in the professional workforce, but for software, that's still a newer thing. And you look at a lot of, so a lot of people built software platforms and for example, realized that their user experience sucked, yep. or maybe it was just clunky or whatever. So then here comes the actual product manager and I'll just give the best example I can from what we do. So the, the, we have a product manager that that I work with and you work with on the, the full scale platform. And what this person does is we'll be able to, her name's Julie and Julie, you do a great job. Thank you. And we can reach out and we're like, you know, so our users are finding it or we're finding it difficult to use the search feature. Cause now we have 300 people that work at full scale and they all do different things and they do it better. And some don't, you know, and like, are they available and all this? So we'll describe what the problem is. And the product manager will go scope that out and say, okay, so this would need to occur, then this needs to occur, then this needs to occur. And this is how we're going to do that. And that person doesn't even need to be a developer in a lot of cases. Like you had at Stackify, what your product manager wasn't a developer, was he? He had been formally, you know, and and where I familiarity with it. And where I work today, our, our product owner is has no background in engineering, but his expertise yeah. is in digital advertising. Yeah. And so our product is related to digital advertising. He's right. the product expert. He understands. Right. Uh, the, the key to the product owner is they need to understand why. Like, why are yep. we doing what we're doing? A lot of times the software engineers don't give a shit. They're like, you know, give me a hammer and some nails and I'll go do it. Just, just tell me where to go and I'll go do it. But somebody's got to tell them why. And, and, and the product owner needs to understand the why, like why, how is the product supposed to work and why does it work that way? That's somebody has got to be an expert at that. Now we're sitting here talking about roles on a team and we're assuming that everyone listening actually has a team. If you have a tiny team or even just like one person, you probably want that one person to be, to be, you want them to be a Swiss army knife, not a sword. Yeah. 
they've got I've to used understand. that example a lot. Like you can't, if you have a tiny team, you cannot afford specialists. The, the problem is most software engineers are not, they're, they're really good at writing code. A lot of them are just not very good about thinking about what the product needs to do and the user experience yep. of all of that. And that's why a lot of times you see software, it's like whoever built this, like, yeah, they made it work, but it's just very clunky. Why do and, I have to click through six different things? Why do I and, have to go to six and, different pages where I could do it all on one? And then, and that's often a thing that you'll look at something you've already built and you're like, okay, we, we can make this a little more streamlined. And, and, and their answer, like you probably remember Dan that, that worked for us at Stackify. Great guy. I love Dan. But his answer for something like this would be like, did you read the manual? And I'm like, dude, no, it needs to be easy to use. The answer to. is not to go read the manual. We like that, no. Yeah, I think your goal with planning is yeah. So I've got a, <laughs> I've got a. When it comes to planning, um, I've got, and you know, you know, my rule one with all this stuff is 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 this annoying? And if the answer is not a hard no, you have work to do. And yeah. the things that the even products that do a hundred percent of what you need to do from a utility standpoint can have real annoying parts about them. And you need to get, when you're planning, you need to think about it. If like, so if people are annoyed with what you've built, they won't use it or they'll hate it or they'll resent it. And some of it is like you mentioned, like when it comes to planning this this general user experience of having things not being annoying. Like if you're sitting in front of platform X and you're doing your job and you have to do something 200 times a day, you, those, those extra clicks or page loads or any of that get real frustrating after yep. about an hour. So, yep. And also they're not scalable too. Cause if you get a whole bunch of people in there and they're all refreshing pages unnecessarily and doing a bunch of stuff like that, it's all going to slow down. So, I mean, part of, t- part of planning is also like, you know, what do we want? I just keep it simple. I think it's the best thing. I think in the end, the, the best software, so- the best signups, the best onboarding, the best user experience. It's all simple. And it, and you hear the word intuitive a lot, you know, we'll get into that a little later in the series, but give, you know, I don't know what my option as a first time or maybe an infrequent user or something. I don't really understand. Okay. What can this thing do? So that when, when you're doing high level planning as, as a management team about the product and, and the big initiatives that need to be done, the most important thing you can do is always measure and weigh out the level of effort versus the level of value, right? And there are tools like AHA. We, we use AHA. It's a product management uh, tool. And, and you can go in it. You can create your goals and create your initiatives and create your you know major features and major things you want to do. And it has all these tools to help you force rank them and all this stuff. But no matter how you do it, you can do it with freaking sticky notes or do it on a whiteboard. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you've got to pay attention to what is the level of effort versus the level of value. Because if you have something that takes a massive amount of effort to do, but provides no value, why are you even talking about that shit? Yep. Kill it. It's dead, right? Yep. Versus what are the things that provide a ton of value that have no effort? Like maybe we should do that one first, right? So force ranking stuff that way and thinking about that about it that way is really important. There are a lot of different ways to do product planning and and ranking, you know, what's important and all that. And depending on your your company, it, it's all totally different. I really recommend a product like AHA. It's like $70 a month or something like that for one user account. It's really inexpensive. But it, it's a great tool to do higher level planning, you know, above the weeds of using something like Jira that's more, you know, about individual tasks. You got to do a little higher level uh, product planning. 
Um, but just basic like level of effort versus value is a great place to start. And you can do it on a whiteboard. Probably shouldn't be mentioning this in the 27th minute, but if your plan isn't written down, it's not a plan. <laughs> yeah. Probably should have led with that. So for those of you that made it to this point of the show, congratulations. You learned the most important part of a plan. And I mean, for real, cause if it's not, yeah. if it's not, if it's not something that everyone can see, cause and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past where the vision or the plan is in my head. And then you're, you're kind of hoping that you're, you're very quick meeting your explanation of it transferred all that magically to everyone else's brain who then just got it with a crystal clear vision and, well, and probably didn't. In my job as a IT executive, right, is to work on planning a lot. So every, every couple of weeks I have meetings with our CEO and our chief operating officer and all these other people. And I have to show them a roadmap. It's like, here's our roadmap. So we use Jira for that. And we always have like a, you know, always updating the roadmap and trying to juggle what everybody's priorities are. And it's hard. Everybody, every, you know, you don't mention something in the call. So then everybody bitches for 30 minutes about this thing that's the most important thing. But then they failed to see it was actually on the roadmap. Like, but they go off on some giant tangents. And it's, it's a never ending battle. But the, the more you can have like a basic roadmap, and have everybody on the same page. We've all agreed this is what we're going to do. And then you got to tell everybody no to every other damn thing. That that becomes the hardest part is everybody wants to take you off what we all agreed was the roadmap. Yeah, and while, and while building this stuff in your product timeline and roadmap, remember there are certain things that are going to need to be done and ready and built and functional before you can move on to anything else. And we use the example of, of Gigabook and like picking a couple things. That what's, your, what's your core thing you do? Like with Gigabook, it's take an appointment. So like if we're working on rescheduling options before it could take an appointment, that's just stupid. That's doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and you'll find that when your timeline, you're going to invariably run into something where the lack of completion of one thing is going to stall the beginning of something else. And that's where you start. And, and look, people think, okay, so I built this first layer of something. So the second layer should be equally difficult. No, it's actually twice as hard. And then the third layer of that is four times harder than the first one. So when you start building software, a lot of pieces, parts, and components of it become inter interdependent on each other. And I think that early in building something, that's where you hear like things are a little unstable. They're buggy. Yeah. Per se. And you got to map these dependencies. I think it's a really, I, I wish I had done more of that when we built Gigabook because the problem is, is when you bring new people into the team, they're just not going to understand. Oh, if I change something here, it could break eight other things here. And this is why this, this mapping of, of what things do and what's dependent on other things becomes really important. So, and that's that back to that order of operations. Well, how does that go? What do you, you plus and minus things before you divide them? And before you do that, I, don't know. <laughs> I never can remember. I know so it's probably, the, it's probably why I end up with a weird answer every time. One of the other really important parts of planning that everybody always overlooks is it's not just about the software engineering part of it. You've got a, a lot, a lot of time in planning for like, how do we deploy this thing? How do we educate the sales team, the support team, the marketing, the product marketing that needs to be done. How do we celebrate what we did and make noise and somebody cares about it? You know, how do we train everybody about this thing? And that's one of the things that, that a lot of people fail to do 
It's like, hey, if we're going to release a new feature in in Gigabook or whatever, right? Like, how do we tell everybody at the company about it? How do we tell our customers? How do we, you know, how how do we celebrate this thing and get some value out of it, right? If we did all this work, how do we maximize the value we got out of it? And the bigger your company gets, the harder this becomes, right? You're yeah. like, hey, we're, we want to change the pricing of our product. We want to add this feature. All of a sudden, it becomes really hard. It's like, how do we train hundreds of people the fact that we're making this really critical change? And the bigger an organization gets, it becomes harder and harder to make any changes because of that. It's like crippling because the, the ship just doesn't move. But when you're really small, you can make those changes. But people always forget the amount of time it takes to train people and do product marketing and make noise and get the maximum value out of the work that you did and celebrate it. I think there's a saying for that. If the feature launches in the forest and no one hears it, did it really make a sound? Isn't that? Yeah. Why did you do it? What was the point of the work? These are, these are little things like I've run into with our own stuff that, you know, and I, I'm juggling many things and some of us will go back. And I'm like, Hey, is this done? They're like, it was done a month ago. Um, tell me. Yeah. And How did I, I know? And, and that's always the hard part when you're doing software development is you're working on these big projects and, and sometimes they're very slow moving and eventually there'll be this big thing that happens. But I always recommend people to always constantly pepper in the little things, you know, always do the little wins. It's like every month we did these three little things, maybe they're little things, but it's like, we're making progress. We're, we're yeah. doing stuff right. That way you can tell your customers, like, look, we're investing in this platform. We're still innovating. We're still doing new cool stuff. You still want to be a customer of ours, right? Not like, Oh, we haven't heard from you in like 12 months. And then you do this big release thing. Like, you know, keep telling your customers, do that product marketing, give some reason to message them and have a reason for your product team to like feel like they're accomplishing something yeah. and shipping something. I think you have a great point there, Matt, because uh, when you when you're uh, OK, you always we had that old uh, phrase where someone went postal, you know, because the, <laughs> the, the mailman used to kind of go crazy at the mail plant every now and then because it just keeps coming. It, they're never done. It's never complete. Yeah. But your, your development team can feel that way too, because a lot of times they're looking at this big backlog of tickets and they're looking at a two-year timeline and they're like, it's easy to feel like, you know, they say a watch clock never moves. And, yeah, uh, and ship so, something. Yeah, celebrating the little wins can be pretty good. And, and when you were mentioning that, you know, it's like, it, it, well, here in, in Kansas, we're basketball fans, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Congratulations on the national <laughs> championship this year, right? But I always look for a good chance to mention that. Uh, but, you know, a good team doesn't just shoot threes. I mean, they make, yeah. they, they, they make some layups and they pass the ball and they do it, you know, because if all, all you're doing is dropping half-court shots, you know, I mean, it's, well, that's not a high percentage kind of thing. And you're probably not going to win a lot of games either. So yeah, I think that the, you know, that's back to the whole thing. Like, remember there's pe your team is people and that's the hardest part in many cases about the planning. We mentioned that in the overview episode. So, you know, here's another thing that I think we need to, to get into is you mentioned like the level of effort versus value. Mm -hmm. you know, that's a, there's a buy versus build thing out there. Absolutely. That, that is that should really be considered because there's a lot of things that you can buy, basically rent, you know, by licensing a couple of things and they might they might fill a gap or get some stuff done and let you go work on other things. And I, it might move you forward in your timeline significantly. You're absolutely right. And developers have, at least traditionally, have always had a bad habit of this. Like instead of just using some common framework or spending $100 to buy this 
SDK or whatever that can do this thing. They're like, well, I'll just build that. Like, no, let's spend the hundred dollars and let's do it. And like, I interviewed a guy on the podcast the other day and his whole thing had to do with like alternative investments for IRAs. So it's like, oh, you have, you know, crypto or stocks or all these other things. I'm like, hell, the last thing you want to do is figure out how to be a custodian of stocks and be a custodian of cash and a bank and be a custodian of crypto. It's like, no, just find partners that already do all that stuff and, and integrate them together and build on top of it, right? Like there are so many things in software now that you it's sort of software assembly. It's like we can take these pre-built things, be it an integration with a bank or whatever it is, and build on top of it. We don't have to reinvent the bank and figure out how to do compliance of all that or some SDK or whatever it is, some Azure hosting thing, AWS. So just use what AWS does and build on top of it. Don't reinvent that shit. You even talk about like people like, hey, I need to build a dashboard. Go spend $39 yeah. and buy a template. There are tools. And you're like, well, I want it to be original. It will be by the time you're done with it because that $39, and I'm not kidding, you really can go buy really nice admin dashboard templates sure. in modern everything that are highly used and supported and updated. How are you going to build that faster yourself? And, it, and the problem is if, if, if you have a bunch of cabinet makers that work for you, they want to build custom cabinets all the time. Yep. But if you can go to Ikea and you can, you can shortcut that shit, sometimes that's what you need to do. Maybe right? not at Ikea. Cause I think it takes like nine <laughs> hours to put it together. But I mean, but, but your point is like, you can go to Lowe's or yeah. Home Depot or wherever you just buy the cabinets and just yeah. drill them into the walls and, and they make really nice ones. Yep. You can stain them whatever color you want. Yep. I mean, because it's going to take a while. And and some of it, too, is also like the tools, the parts, the accessibility. Yep. And then and then let's talk about one thing. So, Matt, you know, I went to five different colleges and I dropped out of all of them. The last one was actually a top 10 business school. And one of the things that that meant the most to me that I stuck with me was opportunity cost. And yes, that's what we're absolutely. talking about right now. So when you choose to do one thing, it means you're choosing to not do something else. So with yep. the buy versus build and the value that like the, va the return on value thing, and also like your timeline, like you might, I mean, they're like, we've been saying there, you might be a couple hundred dollars away from some kind of framework or plugin or use of another, something else. Someone else has already solved this problem and they know you're going to need it. Um, away from, you know, moving things forward. There might even be two or three different things. And look, later you get down in the timeline, you might be like, oh, we could go back and maybe, I, I find that the things that I've bought rather than build, I, I still use. Because the cost of going back and rebuilding them is, you know, it's just, it, it grossly exceeds the, either so the much cost open source of, stuff of today. what I'm paying for what I, I bought or what we're renting. Or there's just other things that are more important. So yeah, yep. opportunity cost is the value of the foregone conclusion. And it's also something that you can't really have a right answer to in a lot of cases, because sometimes your opportunity cost might be your own sanity, mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, I, or, or things that you missed out on in other parts of life. It's not, it doesn't always have a financial uh, tie to it. Now, speaking of finances, if you want to build your software development team quickly and affordably, we can help with that at full scale. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you go to fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced teams of software engineers, testers, and leaders at full scale. We specialize in building a long-term team that works only for you 
learn more when you go to fullscale.io. So, you know, Matt, we dropped a lot of things in here about planning. We talked about goals and initiatives. I think one of the things is find someone who has some initiative if it's not you. Like you want <laughs> someone that, yeah, I mean, yes. a go-getter that's going to just not sit around. And um, what, do you, what do you like to say? Uh, where's Tom Brady? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've seen this before, right? They're like, they want to hire interns or whatever to get shit done. I'm like, no, where's Tom Brady? Yep. We want to win. <laughs> You need, you need to have a lease. You need to have one. We like to say Patrick Mahomes. Let's get rid of yes. Brady. Yeah, forget I'm tired Brady. of Tom Brady. Where's Patrick Mahomes when we need him? But find an MVP. I mean, find someone that can really like run the squad, and maybe that's you. Can maybe that's someone else. But yeah, I don't think anyone's. I don't think any team's not winning championships because they have too many MVPs. Gotta have a quarterback. Right. Yep. Also, talk about timelines. They're impossible to figure out. Just get started and you maybe reassess where that's at. I think that that um, is, I think you can spend a hell of a lot of time really trying to solidify a timeline only to be wrong. It's like business forecasts. They're all going to be wrong. I think, I think if you're not establishing the roles on your team, that your plan is doomed. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Who's going to do what, who's going to make some decisions and then empower people to make some decisions. Because one thing that's going to slow down your timeline is making someone stop to ask really simple questions. I have my rule of yes, which is if you think I'm going to say yes 90% of the time, don't ask. Just do it, and I'll deal with the 10% of the time you're wrong. Um, People are going to want to have that. We talked about level of effort versus value, which in some cases is buy versus build. I mean, dude, there has never been a better time to buy a simple solution than now. Shortcut. Yeah. Shortcuts aren't always bad. Now you want to talk a little bit, a little, when you talk about force ranking, what was that again? You know, trying to, to figure out what, what's the highest priority, right? You, you have to, mm-hmm. to go through and rank everything, you know, it could be like me and me, you and other managers all get together and we all rank things. And then it's like, Oh, you ought to pick one, number one, number two, number three. We don't give a shit about four to 10. They're dead. Right. Give yeah. me your one to three. That's what we're focused on. The rest of the shit, forget it. Yeah, and you're and and out of business, these are things that make or save you money. And if they do both, even better. Perfect. Yeah. Sell more, spend less. If you can do both, pick that one. Those are the best ones. That's those should have double value because those are the most impactful things on the business. And you know, uh, you talk about OKRs, objectives and key results. You gotta set them. Have some. Gotta have goals, baby. Celebrate some wins and have some need fun. Need a north star. Where are we going? Yeah, you know, I like, I like, I like calling out those that drive victory, and I, I really do like your point, Matt, about the, you know, how, don't just take on mammoth epic things. Like, you, you know, any big, big, big thing you're gonna do in life is really when you look at it just comprised and compile it's a compilation of a bunch of little small things and you know you eat the elephant one bite at a time so you know like i mean as long as you're taking bites you're moving forward yeah and and if you can figure out how to get little wins along the way that's the thing i mean sometimes if you're waiting to release some giant new product like you know it's a big bang that happens later but figure out how to provide you know small doses of of things to celebrate along the way too and I think one thing that I want to add in here as well is also listen to the feedback from your team as yeah. you, you know, you start with the plan and then, you know, you need to like, 
you need to encourage people to not be just total yes people. Like, hey, this is what we're what we're looking at doing, and say like, where do you see some flaws in this? And you know, as you mentioned, sometimes the dev team's going to be like, maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. But I mean, you got to listen to them because the people that build it, especially if they're experts, are usually going to be the best at saying like, hey, man, this plan is fucked. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they are the reason it's fucked. <laughs> well, right. But I mean, but, but you, you have the it. wrong people. <laughs> well, you get it. And I mean, Matt, you've had a, you've had a bunch of people like pitch ideas or ask for feedback or whatever. And you're like, man, this is, why are you, well, it was like, a, a, you know, man, I haven't used this example for a while. I was given a speech years ago, long before the podcast even started. And remember I told you I had the guy that wanted to give me his business plan after I, after I'd spoke and I'm like, what's this? He's like, I'm going to take down Amazon. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I was like, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. I was like, you don't have a chance. So like, in, in relation to goals, like it's great thing to have them, but they have to, you have to have some ability to complete them. Like yeah. if your goal is that you're taking down Amazon, Google or Apple, like you're not. Good luck. Yeah. You're not. I mean, even, even the most well-resourced, like, yeah, if that could be done, it would have been already done by someone other than you. So, all right, Matt, well, we're going to be back for that. We're going to, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about planning. I think this is pretty good. We're going to get into the ever so captivating world of defining requirements, but I mean, that's, that's, well, it's an important part because this is where you're like essentially putting your, you, it's like when the waitress comes by and, and, and fills out, you know, she goes and puts the little ticket up on the, <laughs> the little spinning wheel, like right there at the kitchen, you know, and it's like, yeah, if, if, if the, if she gets that part wrong, your hamburger has Ooh. cheese on it when you didn't want it, it has pickles when you didn't want it. And for me, that's not a well big done. deal, but for, for my wife, that would be, that would ruin her day. Yep. All right. Can't wait. I'll see you at Matt's Diner next week, Matt. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.